0: relax you got nothing to lose what do you think i'm about to show you the female of the species is more deadly than a
1: male deadly, deadly. So Only so... A movie, you can say it again just wait till you see what
2: i did at the end
1: the female of the species is more deadly than a male
2: Is more hello everyone and welcome to more deadly the director's Cut, where we speak with the women identified directors who are making the horror movies we love oh so much more deadly is a trans inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women Joining me today on our latest more deadly adventure is my lovely friend who I adore, who I'm constantly trying to talk and moving back because I miss her so much. (laughs) It's the one and only Ariel. Hi. (laughs) Hey girl, how are you?
0: I'm doing good, I'm doing good. I'm currently being stared down by a cat who's very mad at me for taking her to a simple vet appointment. So if you hear hissing and my screams,
2: it's because she has murdered me. (laughs) She has like, I feel like she's really filled the, the vacuum and is really bringing the chaos lately. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Women doing it for themselves. Well little feminist over there. <sighs> so I'm fresh off doing my first solo zombie bite. I know. So,
0: I've never done a recording by myself like that. It was a
2: little weird.
0: Yeah, I bet. I bet that was very strange.
2: <laughs> I mean, it was nice knowing that my jokes were being met with silence because there was literally no one there to... <laughs> <laughs> so that was an improvement, but it was still strange. Like at the last minute, I almost was like, will someone do this with me? But I was like, no, Rachel, be brave. Do it by yourself. Yeah. But it was, it was a little. I don't know how you can watch it and tell me how you thought okay. I, when I was basically just talking about the horror films I saw at Sundance, spoiler free. So listeners paid for patrons. We do these things called zombie bites where we do very short form reviews of things live that you can watch us talk about things. And yeah, so I talked about all the stuff I saw at Sundance. That's and, so uh, cool. I'm some so good
0: ones. looking forward to all that stuff coming uh, there out. There
2: is some stuff we will definitely be covering on War uh, So exciting. yes. <laughs> like Birth, Rebirth, when that thing drops Ooh. on Shudder. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to try to get us an interview with that director because okay. that movie goes some places. It is transgressive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I am
2: delighted. <laughs> it was like, I think it was it wasn't was it the first thing I watched? No, it was the second thing I watched. But I was just like, holy
1: shit.
0: This movie <laughs> is great and oh, an that's ordeal. Super exciting. I can't
2: wait. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So how have you been? Is there anything exciting going on aside from potential cat murder? Have you uh, <laughs> have you, you know, I don't know. What's going on? Anything crazy in the neighborhood?
0: Uh no, not really. Nothing okay. nothing too crazy. I was in a lift today that almost ran over my neighbor and she was not happy about it. So other than being cussed out by one of my neighbors, I'm doing great. You're like, I'm not driving. (laughs) It wasn't me. I'm so sorry.
2: (laughs) So in my neighborhood that is so expensive, I can't even dream of buying a house here i watched an attempted carjacking happen (gasps) in front of my house the day before yesterday oh my god that's so scary yeah it was real scary it was real i was like in my living room and i started hearing screams just like screams and like help help and i came out just to see the tail end fortunately some of our other neighbors came running out and they sped off but presumably they followed her and tried to jack her car she said they were two teenagers with guns Oh my god, Rachel, be yeah. careful. I know. I like walk around this
0: neighborhood. Yeah, we're talking <laughs> about other mean, friends needing stun guns. Maybe you need a stun gun. <laughs>
2: I mean, the reason I live in this neighborhood is because yeah. my you know, my partner moved in 20 years ago. Yeah. So <laughs> but like it is a, not a neighborhood I could afford to live in. So I'm like, really? Even here? Jeez. What's yeah. going on? I sound Damn. like a Karen. <laughs> 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 Let's move on before I have to start really reflecting upon myself and not looking in the mirror and not liking what I see. My hair's going to turn into one of those weird like bubble hairdos. No, oh my god. You <laughs> <laughs> imagine me with a Karen. No. You would look crazy. I'm going to Photoshop it. Oh, I need to know to. what I look like with a Karen.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I need if, to know.
2: <laughs> if anything will stop you from Karen like behavior, aside from, you know, basic human decency, it's seeing yourself with a Karen haircut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about much more interesting yeah, stuff. Let's, let's get it. into this. So we have an awesome show this episode we're going to be talk about one of my all-time favorite themes in horror which is of course motherhood horror maternal yeah. horror whatever you want to call it it is rife for exploration and there's so many wrinkles that you can get into and this one i think tackles a different one than we've maybe seen before in a way that we haven't seen before and so that's really exciting so today we're going to be speaking with bess wool director and writer of baby ruby yes All right. But before we get into the interview, let me tell you a little bit about Bess because, surprise, surprise, she's amazing.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. Not surprised.
0: Not surprised
2: (laughs) at all. So, okay. Bess is an American playwright, screenwriter, actor, and of course, now director. This is her first feature film, which is a
0: strong way out the gate, I gotta say. (laughs) Such a powerful statement of a movie Uh to be your first one.
2: Heck yeah. So she grew up in Brooklyn where she discovered her passion for theater. Her background is largely theater and very prominent theater person. Um, Yes. So she must have been pretty freaking good right out the gate because she ended up attending Harvard where she received her BA in English before going on to the Yale School of Drama where she earned her MFA in acting. Nice. (laughs) Yep. While she was at college, she wrote her, I, I don't know if it's her first play, but she wrote kind of like her first... You know award-winning play oh called cats talk back which sounds what?
1: awesome <laughs>
2: on name alone and it went on to the new york international fringe festival where it won the award for best overall production while she was still in college that's really impressive i can't yeah. imagine yeah 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 but that was her just getting started. She went on to write several more award-winning plays, both on and off Broadway. In 2020, her play Grand Horizons was nominated for a Tony for Best Play.
0: Holy shit. Wow. So she's like really good.
2: <laughs> she's on an EGOT path is what I'm, oh, I'm getting. Goodness. Wow. <laughs> yep, because she's also written screenplays for HBO, ABC, uh, oh. USA, Fox, Disney, Paramount, and more. So, like I said, she's really going for that EGOT. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, and one of her plays was actually musical, and I don't know if she wrote music for it, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) So, like I said, she both wrote and directed Baby Ruby. The reason she decided to make this film and to make the leap from, you know, screenwriter, play producer, actor to behind the camera as the director was she as she explained in an interview with Vogue that the story felt so personal to her that she felt like she had to do it but it also meant she had to learn an entirely new skill set she did not she'd been on sets as an actor like she she wasn't you know just coming in off the street but she had never directed anything never directed a film or a short film or anything like that before and so everything she did was for the first time
0: that's a crash course I mean yeah that must have it, been so hard
2: <laughs> it also kind of I, I did this part of the research like i did you know i did some pre-research but i did the deep dive After with the interview. And now looking back on the advice she gives towards the end of the interview, I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh no, this is not just lip service. Like this is personal (laughs) experience. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. So the the film itself was actually inspired by some of her own personal issues. She's a mother and she struggled with postpartum depression after the birth of her children. And so she in an interview with variety talked a little bit about this. And this this quote's a little bit long, but I think it's really interesting. So I'm just gonna go ahead and read it to you. It was really cathartic. I was pregnant with my third child when I wrote this script, which is wild. So I was trying to hold on to some of those feelings and push them to the extreme on screen. It did feel really amazing to dive into this nightmare version of the experience. For me, becoming a mother was always a complete fracturing of my identity and putting it back together. It's been really joyful in a lot of ways. I couldn't have become the person I am without that experience. But to look at the darkest, most twisted version of that good, because in a way, when you look at it and you put it on the screen, you don't have to live it yourself. Wow. hmm. So like I said, this is her first feature film. And of course, we always want to know what's next, what's next, especially when we like something. Right. So again, this is from the Variety uh, interview, okay. who asked her essentially the same thing. Are you going to make another film? What's next? And she said, it's sort of like that question. Will you have another child when you're still on the (laughs) delivery table? (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) So needless to say, we don't know what's coming from Best next, but I would be shocked if this was her last film.
0: I hope so, because somebody who's been that successful writing plays, you could see them just going back to that. But Mm -hmm. there's so much in this that is really successful and really good. I would be Mm -hmm. very curious to see what else she can pull off.
2: Yeah. I mean, she talked a lot in the interviews about why she made the choice to make a film instead Mm -hmm. of a play. And there were some like practical reasons, like having a newborn on screen all the time is not really going to work. But there's some degree of interiority that you can convey in in film that isn't necessarily something you can do on the stage. And so to me, I kind of feel like she's a storyteller ultimately. And she's just gotten all these new crayons for her crayon box. Yeah. And there, it means she can tell all kinds of different stories. So that's why I feel like this is not yeah. The, the she to sort of, of
0: pick whatever medium works best for the story she wants
2: to tell. I like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's get into the film itself. Ariel, would you mind giving us your non spoiler synopsis of Baby Ruby?
0: Of course. Alright, so lifestyle influencer Jo lives a perfect, curated life, but all of that changes when she and her husband, Spencer, have a baby girl. Immediately, Jo is overwhelmed, exhausted, and struggling to keep her head above water. She begins battling postpartum depression and has a hard time distinguishing reality from hallucinations, all the while the people around her gaslight her about her own experiences.
2: Mm-hmm. all right ariel so we've kind of tipped our hand a little bit but what did you think of this film let's give a like our sort of quick brief thoughts about it in a non-spoilery way before we get into the movie, which <laughs> may have some spoilers in it but we'll see we'll see <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
0: like you said, we sort of tipped our hand. I think this movie is really, really great. It's a hard watch because it's so raw and emotional, but I think it also has so many important things to say that it's really important to, like, give it a chance. I Mm -hmm. think it does such a great job of putting you inside Joe's, the main character's, headspace. Throughout the whole runtime, you really are with her and her experiences, and it makes for a really intimate, but also kind of devastating experience in a lot of ways, because she's going through so many, you know, awful things and hard, Mm -hmm. difficult things. I also think it does such a good job of shedding light on a topic that basically nobody wants to talk about, you know, and especially we don't see it done in media. And I think the way that this one portrays postpartum depression, and sort of the extremes of those emotions is really powerful and Mm -hmm. gave me bigger and better insight into that experience as somebody who's not a mother myself and it Mm -hmm. made me feel incredible empathy towards her even (laughs) though sometimes I was like no why are you doing that thing you're doing you know right right. Um, and there's also some funny moments and some moments that feel very reminiscent of horror movies that we adore Mm -hmm. so yeah I thought it was really great
2: yeah, definitely. I, I I liked this quite a bit as well. I thought, I mean, obviously the performances are incredible Yeah, across the board. Everybody's really great. I mean, without getting into spoiler territory, there's, there's a scene between our lead character and the mother-in-law that is incredibly powerful. And the kind of conversation that you don't typically see women have about motherhood but yeah. felt incredibly real to me, it does feel a little bit like as someone who's not a mother – someone is kind of pulling back that idealized veneer of the experience and really digging into a darker place and i feel like pregnancy is something we've talked a lot about being really rife ripe for like exploration through a whore lens because of just the visceral parts of it and the the parasite part of it you know like and all the <laughs> stuff it does to your body yeah. and the fact yeah, that yeah. you've got you know but this really taps into the aftermath of that, right? Where is the horror of actually be- being a mother when you're like past all the baby showers and baby bumps and and all the kind of f- sort of like celebratory aspects of it and you're just in the nuts and bolts of it and now you have this other human that you may or may not like, and that may or may not like you. And I think that that's something that is like so taboo to even really explore, to see it done this way, I thought was very revealing and interesting. Yeah. I liked this very, very much and was moved by it and was horrified by the most subtle bits of it. There's some spooky dooky stuff that happens in this, but Mm -hmm. to me, by far the scariest stuff is the interpersonal. I think that there's, you start off the movie asking, like, okay, is this movie a Rosemary's Baby? Like, what genre are we in? Yeah. And what I was surprised by is I was like, oh, no, we're in Aronofsky territory. This is mm, this is true. pregnant lady, black swan. And I'm into it. <laughs> 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 not to say that it doesn't have its own t- identity, but like if it's going to be something fresh, like black swan's not a bad jumping off point to go, yeah, you know, to take true on your own you know as a jumping off point to go do your own thing from all right so i think it's fair to say we recommend this movie yes yeah i think it's worth checking out for sure awesome okay so do we want to give any sort of spoiler warning for what's about to follow
0: Yeah, so we had a really great chat with the director, and I think we do get into some areas that some folks might find too spoilery. So if that's something that would bother you, I would say go watch it. When this interview drops, it should be available on VOD, so you can Mm -hmm. do that. But I also think that we're talking about stuff in a somewhat general way, so there aren't going to be specific plot beats like some of the scarier moments or whatever that are spoiled for you.
2: Yeah, I don't feel like we spoil any quote unquote scares other than no. just generally talking about something I've already said, which is like about how some of the scariest moments are the more subtle things. Yeah. So I think for the most part, you're okay. But, you know, you use your best judgment. You know what you want. All right. What do you say we get into this awesome interview with Bess Wool? Let's do it. Well, first of all, Bess, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I'm so excited to talk about your new film. I found it incredibly moving and tackling a topic that we've seen tackled, but in a way that I've never seen it tackled before to great effect. (laughs) So my first question for you is that you, you know, you spent most of your career as a playwright and an actor, and now you're making this shift to writing and directing your first feature. I'd love to know how you're feeling with audiences getting to see this for the first time and how that experience compares to, you know, other experiences you've had.
1: Well, um it's unlike anything I've done before. You know, it really is. And it's it's exciting, it's terrifying. It's it's um I could probably make a whole other scary movie about. It. <laughs> 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 um because it is really uh, it's scary, especially when it's something that feels so raw and personal to me, which is part of why I wanted to make the film. You know, I wanted to make I knew that for my first, um, you know, experience writing and directing, it had to feel like a story that only I could tell in this particular way, you know? Um, so so it's really personal and it's, so it's exhilarating, but it's definitely also scary. Um, that said, like, feeling that people have, uh, been able to embrace the film and see what I was trying to do and relate to different pieces of the film and hearing from parents and non-parents alike. Um, that part is incredibly rewarding and, um, you know, different for, again from anything I've done before, you know, um, being a playwright's very exposing, but um, in a slightly different way, uh, theater is just um, different in terms of the the way you're sort of in a company of, of actors and, you know, everyone's sort of like there together opening night. This is a little different. It's just a, there's a different rhythm to filmmaking. So um, it's all new for me, but but it's, it's really exciting.
0: Oh, yeah, that is really exciting because This film affected me in such a profound way. I found myself really emotional through a lot of that. And it's just, there's a lot of beauty there, but so much of it is like raw emotions. I think it's really impressive that you were able to put that to screen. I mean, your film is largely an exploration of like postpartum depression and the struggles of motherhood. And like I said, it's really raw. It's super honest about how hard and scary becoming a mother is. Can you talk a little bit about why you wanted to use your movie as kind of a vehicle to talk about such a difficult topic that people largely ignore or leave unsaid, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, I'm always, just as an artist in general, looking to say and do the things that feel taboo or feel unsaid. It's it's um, this really annoying personality quirk that I have <laughs> where when I'm told no or don't go there, it's like the first place that I want to go. So <laughs> is part of it um and then also um i think I, I you know i'm a mother i have three children who whom i adore and uh you know this movie is not an autobiographical sort of, <laughs> of my experience thank god but you know when you become a mother there's so many terrifying thoughts and moments and um you know, feelings that that at least came up for me that I hadn't really seen discussed or explored in an honest way in the culture. So, so much of what I do uh, also as an artist is take like a little germ of a thought, a little what if, you know, and then push that what if as far as I possibly can until the whole thing breaks, you know, like, <laughs> how far can I go with this? And, and so this was a bunch of sort of little what-ifs for me or or little pieces of experience that I was able to spread together into one story that hopefully is, as you said, about something that I think is crucially important for us to talk about as a culture, but also is um, a piece of entertainment ultimately and something that can be enjoyed as, as a movie. You know, I didn't want to make like a PSA about post make something that felt like a story with characters and, and scares and surprises and funny moments. There's a lot of humor in the movie to me as yes. well. <laughs> I trying to like find that sweet spot where it's both um, like interesting and engaging to watch and also like has a deeper uh, meaning that, that felt really important.
2: Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is that you say that some of the most
1: terrifying parts in this
2: are not the like, Stereotypical horror moments. To me, the stuff I found really chilling was all the kind of dismissing of her concerns, like that. You know, she'd be like, "The baby's crying," and they're like, "Oh, baby's cry. The baby bit me. Baby's bite." And it's like it's so disempowering and gaslighting. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Totally, totally. I I found that to be one of the most confusing parts of becoming a new mom. Is yeah. over and over again, I would say these things that seemed like so wild to me that they were happening either in my body or in my life. And people would say, Oh, that's normal. It was like, how can this be normal? You know, <laughs> I just kind of wanted to scream like this cannot be normal. And, and, and of course, like the people who were saying that to me weren't entirely wrong in that this is a very common experience. And that's part of why I wanted to talk about it. Um, but at the same time being told while you're in the thick of it, Oh, that's normal, does feel, as you said, like this total dismissal. Like, oh, it's normal, therefore, therefore you should be fine. Therefore, we shouldn't talk about it. Therefore, it's not worth exploring. Therefore, what's your problem? So, you know, it, it felt minimizing in the moment. And so over and over again in the film, as you picked up on, yeah, people say, Oh, that's normal, or oh, babies cry, or oh, everybody goes through this, or, oh, just trust your gut, you know, these sort of platitudes that I think are well-intentioned, but um, often sort of do the opposite uh, of what they're intended to do. And, you know, to me, one of the the tricks of the film, which was sort of when I knew that, like, the gears of the film were really working, was when I discovered that more people in the film tried to, quote-unquote, help Joe, the main character, the scarier they became to her, mm-hmm. So there was this sort of like impossible double bind, you know, the, the more the mother-in-law tries to help her, the, the more frightening it is. So there's yeah. no way out of that. And, and no one really knows how to, how to break that sort of really like um, pernicious relationship between helping and harming
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weirdly isolating, you know, like even though they're trying to connect, it, it has the counter uh, um, effect
1: and it's really interesting to see. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean,
0: especially because she is clearly not being listened to and she's being gaslit by the people around her, but there's also this element of your film where she is a very unreliable narrator of her own story because of what she's going through mentally. Right. And that concept, that idea of an unreliable narrator is often used in film, but like very rarely done well. And here it felt like you used it to such great effect because we are sort of sharing in the experience that she is having of not knowing what's real and what's not. And it makes it so that I think you are able to empathize with the main character even better because of that device. So can you talk about why you chose to use that narrative device of an unreliable narrator?
1: Yeah, I I was really interested, you know, having been a playwright, um, you know, you're always sort of seeing things outside, like you're seeing the box of the stage. And I was interested, um, because I had this new toolkit of making film, of using film to really get inside someone's head. I was interested in that really sort of unique way that film can sort of place you um, in a consciousness and sort of play tricks on, on yeah. your mind as you sort of get inside the characters. Um, point of view. So that felt really rich to me to play with. Um, and I really love the idea of sort of putting people in the in the shoes of of the character and not knowing, you know, what's real, what's not real, how do I, how do I quote unquote trust my instincts when I can't even trust my reality, you know? Um, and and it and it's also just a sort of um I think of stories as like sort of always detective missions in a way. And it, it okay. puts the audience in a really fun detective mission to sort of try to figure out what's real what's not how do I know and it was very important to me in the filmmaking that I never tip my hand and sort of cue the audience of oh you know this isn't really happening I wanted it all to feel real in the way that when you're inside of it uh it does all feel real and and you really Mm. you can't you can't trust anything um, which is a terrifying place to be.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think so much of the horror of the movie comes from that, where you think you're in the reality of a situation and then it gets flipped and you realize, oh, maybe it's just in her head or is it, you know, you kind of question it. I I think it's really brilliant.
2: Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that there's also some like kind of double fakes at some point, like things that you're like, oh, no, no, no that's definitely didn't happen. And then it did, like, uh, I won't spoil it, but there is a love scene in this that is an unexpected one that um, you find out whether or not it's real. Can, but I feel like it's to a purpose. Like, I feel like you're talking about maybe, I mean, I think the character talks about like femininity post having a baby, identity post having a baby.
1: And I think it's an interesting theme that you sort of weaved in. Can you talk a little bit about what you, why you made that choice? of the love story. Mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, I, I think, um, there's so much about the character of Joe and, and I think a lot of new moms can relate to this who feel like they become, um, desexualized when they become mothers. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a sense of, I mean, in our culture, just taking a step back, like, you know, Oh, like, you know, you've moved into mom territory. You're no longer attractive. (laughs) But also in the very personal sense of being inside of it, just feeling like, what do I do with this body now? Is it even mine anymore? I don't know. It feels foreign to me. It's been, it's been used as a sort of vessel for something else. It's, is it a sort of machine for feeding? Like what, how do I relate to my own body? So I think the, the, the sort of, I don't know if you'd call it a love story, but the sort of moments of, romance or sexual moments in the film relate to that sense of of um like how do I be a woman and a sexual being and a mother and and what does that look like and I think you know in in Joe's relationship with her husband that's sort of disappeared for you know for the time being and so I think she's also sort of looking for it and craving it everywhere she can and sort of mm-hmm. again fantasizing about what it might look like and where she might find it mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I really loved that scene where she's looking in the mirror and kind of poking and prodding at her own body. Like she doesn't even recognize it anymore. I thought that was really interesting and something that I'm, I know a lot of women can relate to. You know, you just mentioned her relationship with her husband and how it changes after she has a baby. And I think it's, it's done in such an interesting way because there seems to be in the beginning, a lot of love and sexual attraction and support but he very quickly gets sick and tired of what she's going through i mean that kid is not very old right and he's already like i'm done with this nonsense (laughs) Uh, were you wanting to kind of make a statement about how men tend to handle these situations
1: um i don't know if i would say i was like trying to make a statement about Mm -hmm. men general. Um, but I I think, you know, Kit and I talked a lot about um how confusing and difficult it is for men to understand what's happening with with um, you know, assuming that it's a heterosexual relationship with a with a man and a woman and a baby uh, to understand what's happening with the with their wife or partner. You know, I, I think Kit Kit related very much to that sense of being almost a third wheel in the yeah. relationship between the mother and the baby, um, and not quite knowing sort of what 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 his role was at first. So I think that that sense of uh, of not knowing how to support is something that um, I was interested in exploring for for that character. And you know, I think Spencer, the character that Kit plays in the film, feels until he sort of goes sort of off the deep end he feels like he's trying to help and he's doing the right things and he's trying to be helpful but again he just doesn't know how to help in the right ways and he like joe he's just totally unprepared for the thing that's coming his way he just doesn't doesn't know what to do and doesn't understand what's going on so um you know i i I tried to be less judgmental of him and, and sort of find some empathy for for that for that perspective
0: yeah, no, yeah. I think that really comes across because you do have a lot of sympathy and for him in the beginning of the film, or even there's like a likability and a char- charisma to his character, and it is hard for everybody involved in the situation, right? But but then towards the end, not, not so much. <laughs>
2: <I guess laughs> things change. <laughs> what is wrong with me? I found him very. <laughs> 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 I'm a bad feminist. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think there's some upheaval in their life beyond just the, the stuff, you know, that's happening sort of the supernatural, more supernatural aspects to it. Like, you know, Joe was very controlled and very curated in her life and was like very much the driving force in their family. So to see that kind of collapse, like I have, a, I think that's where my empathy for him comes. Like that so much upheaval is happening in his life. And, you know, I'm curious if, because she's so curated she's so controlled in her life and then when she has this child she loses all of this control and i think i think there's something that you're getting at here about that that i'm i'm trying to kind of parse can you talk a little bit about that aspect of her character and where where you're
1: going with this yeah completely i mean jo starts the film as a sort of lifestyle influencer fashion food culture blogger, influencer, um, and um, she's very in control of her universe and everything is tidy and perfectly put away and a place for everything. And, you know, I think I set her up that way for two reasons. One, because I was interested in sort of looking at the, that culture of the sort of mom (laughs) influencer culture and the sort of, I mean, as a mom, I get the I get the ads sort of like pushed at me all day long just through the algorithms of the internet, you know, the sort of sense of this sort of like effortlessly chic, beautiful mom universe that, that some of the mom characters in the film represent. So I was interested in looking at that to a degree, but then even more so, I think I just felt that for a character who goes to all the places that this character goes to, which are really extreme and wild, to start them with complete control over their little world is sort of the most yeah the biggest change and to me that's sort of always what we're watching for is like how much does the character change and and that really felt like a, a really exciting trajectory of going from I have my little screen where things happen exactly the way I want them to insert agent of chaos in the
0: <laughs> right
1: and just watch, you know, what happens to that kind of a person who thinks they can control everything. I mean, that's sort of one of her fatal flaws as as a person.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we see it right from the birthing scene following where she like totally loses autonomy over her body, with like, needing to go to the bathroom before she can go home, all those kinds of things would be incredibly, like, upheaval in someone's life who was so controlled. So it it was interesting to kind of, see the physical aspect of that and know sort of the 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 psychological impact that was playing out sort of below the surface, I thought was really clever and interesting. I was like, oh, here we go. Motherhood is scary <laughs> and very visceral and very hard to keep, very tidy, no matter how good you are at making banners.
1: It's <laughs> a little fun for the audience in that because you just see her world and you're like, oh, I, I know. I know what's <laughs> happening.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there are some other comedic moments in this film, like with Shelly, the neighbor, or, you know, when they're telling that story to the doctor, that's like both horrific and also pretty funny. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Were you hoping that you could kind of break up some of the tension of this really emotionally raw movie with those comedic moments?
1: Yeah, I think it was even a little less intentional than that. It was more just that I feel in life that there's these really scary and really raw moments. And then they're often, you know, live side by side with really funny, absurd, strange moments. So to me to live in any one tone exclusively always feels a little bit false. Like life is a mix of all these, life is not one tone, you know? So I try and everything I do to sort of walk this sort of tightrope of different tones. That's what's fun for me when I'm watching something is, oh, am I in a comedy? Am I in a, you know, I don't know what to expect. And I really love that. And I thought there was a lot of just organic absurdity and humor in it's a new motherhood I mean it's insane you know so so that that also was I think part of the driving force between finding the humor and then it became a calibration of how to with all those different tones create something that still felt like a a single coherent piece um and to find the sort of thread of continuity between everything which ultimately was Joe's character and the sort of journey that she goes on and if you know Noemi was so wonderful at bringing the audience in and we stay with her and root for her through so many terrible things. Um, And I think that that sort of unified all the different, many, many different tones that that are in the film.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. There are definitely these really funny moments and of, of absurdity or, you know, of the situation. And it paints sort of, it puts a lens on the absurdity of that real life experience and how insane it really is to make another human being uh, and then be responsible for them. I mean, if you think about it, I was thinking about this as I was watching it and the baby was crying and crying and crying, like in any other relationship in our life, that would be the most toxic Situation you can possibly be in, <laughs> but in motherhood, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's very yeah. true. Um, I want to talk about one scene in particular that like really struck me, and that was between her and her mother-in-law, where her mother-in-law talks about her own experience with having a baby that will not stop crying, and how it pushed her kind of into a dangerous place. Um, and Joe doesn't want to have that conversation. And I think that even though that's the
1: conversation she really like needs to have, probably, can you talk a little bit about, about that scene and th- those choices that you made there? Yeah, I love that you picked up on that, because to me, that scene sort of contains the whole movie, right, in that little, very simple scene. Um, and it wasn't a scene that I wrote right away. It was, um, you know, a few drafts in that I found that scene. and. You know, uh, what happens in it, as you said, is that Joe's mother- in law tries to relate to her really by confessing these terrible urges that that she had as a new mother when she couldn't get her baby to stop crying, thinking she could harm her baby. and and Joe just can't take it in and can't hear it. And then Doris, the mother in- law, says that's the problem. We don't talk about these things, and so they get stronger. And to me, that little moment is exactly the problem in our culture that I'm trying to talk about with the film, which is, you know, when we don't talk about these things, they get stronger, they get scarier. You know, the monster that you can't see is so much scarier than the one that you just sort of take out and look at, and you know, offer some air and some light and some um, understanding around. So, so that is exactly a sort of microcosm for for what I'm trying to do in the film.
2: Yeah, that's so great. I was, as I was watching it, I was like, whoa, this is transgressive. And then I was like, oh wait, that's literally the point. Like the (laughs) the discomfort that I'm feeling with her telling this story is, I'm experiencing the thing she's talking about
1: in this moment. (laughs) And it's also one of those great moments where like, if the character could just do this other thing they could you know just get off the track that you know that they're on they could you know find a different path and it's sort of offered to joe right in front of her and she's just not ready to hear it or take it yet and so um yeah it's 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 a really integral moment in the film and 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 you know so much of what i was interested in in making this film was finding scary moments as we said before that are not like gross out horror obvious scary moments but like the scariness of, of real human interaction or the scariness of admitting yeah. that you've never admitted before the scariness yeah. of not being heard when you try to tell someone that you're in trouble you know that kind of terror to me is as you said some of the scariest stuff in the film
0: Absolutely. yeah yeah so i know that we only have a few minutes left but i just had a question we rachel and i speak with a lot of women identified directors and most of them have spoken about the challenges that there can be for women in this business. Have you found that being a woman, a woman presents unique challenges, especially in film?
1: No challenges at all. <laughs> 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 so easy. What if I said <laughs> that? Um, Yes, I definitely. I mean, I think women uh, in in all sort of fields deal with, um, you know, not being not heard or not being um, taken seriously when they're in positions of power and a director is on a set sort of the ultimate powerful figure. And yet at the same time, you know, at least my style is not to be, you know, incredibly like tough or firing people left and right or, you know. I'm not trying to lead by fear. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, the, the challenge I think is, is being, um, you know, respected and taken seriously and also creating a safe space for people. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's hard to know how life would be different if I weren't a woman because yeah. I'm stuck of in course. that perspective, <laughs> but um, I do feel um, that there's just that extra set of, of figuring out, you know, how to balance the different, again, parts of your identity that you want to bring and how to, um, you know, c- command respect, but also, uh, create, um, room for spontaneity. I do feel really encouraged that, um, more women's stories are being told. I mean, the fact that baby Ruby exists at all in a way right. is like, yeah. And success story of you know, the importance of stories about women told by women and you know, um, sort of opening up the conversation. So I feel yeah. like a real change is happening and I'm really excited to to have the opportunity to be part of it.
2: Oh, that's great. Um, you know, you've done it though, you've made the film. Like you said, Baby Ruby exists. Do you have any advice for young women of identified directors or in, of any age actually, who, who feel like this is not something that they can do. Um, is there any sort of encouragement or, or
1: advice that you would offer them to make them feel like they could? I think you have to start it maybe before you're ready, you know, um, and just start. And then the resources sort of come up to meet you. You're not doing it alone. You know, you're gonna be paired with a great producer or hopefully a great cinematographer. You know, you're gonna have people around you. so you know it's it's such a collaborative medium you don't have to have all the answers when you begin um this is a strange metaphor but I'll just tell you because it popped into my head during the pandemic this nest of birds like nested right outside of my window and i watched these little baby birds like hatch and oh. um i mean i watched them like you know hatch in the nest and one of the things i noticed was that baby robins jump out of the nest before they can fly i don't know if you knew this they actually no, don't did
0: not nest, <laughs> oh my gosh
1: because they just have to hop out of the nest and they just have, like hop around for a long time on the ground it's like they're learning how to fly and i i thought like that's such a great metaphor you have to like hop out of the nest before you know how to fly And I think that really was something that I held in my head as I was making this film um, in terms of just taking the leap and and figuring it out as you go. Because if you try to have all the answers before you start, you'll never start because you'll never right.
2: Yeah. That's such great advice and such a great
1: metaphor. You should be a writer. (laughs) I I was like, what are these baby birds doing? They can't fly. (laughs) That's
2: so crazy.
1: Thank you so
2: much for taking the time to chat with us today and being so generous with your time. Again, I just want to say, I think Baby Ruby is a very special movie. I'm so excited for people to see it. I'm going to make all of my girlfriends watch it because I think (laughs) mothers or not, this is going to resonate with them. Um, And we cannot wait
1: to see what you do next. (laughs) I really appreciate that. So much fun to talk to you both. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. All right. So that
2: is our chat with Yes, that was so much fun. I know we always like do a postmortem really quickly in chat after we wrap an interview. Yeah, We were like, we always say it was great, but that was really great. <laughs> <laughs> I just think she was
0: so insightful and really mm-hmm. thoughtful about her mm-hmm. own work and talking about why, you know, it is that she wanted to cover such tough taboo topics, you know?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I loved hearing her thinking. I think at one point I was like, I'm kind of struggling to parse like what what's going on here. Yeah. To be able to actually ask the question that I came away from the film with and have her break it down and explain to me was like, I don't know, it was just really cool. It was really fun because I feel like half I'm like, I'm doing like forensic work whenever I watch a film because I'm always trying to understand, you know, not that things have to be prescriptive, but like, what is the what was the idea behind it what are you trying to communicate what as a storyteller what are you saying to me and and sometimes i get it and sometimes i know i'm a crackpot but having the (laughs) opportunity to like really dig into it uh, you know into the theme of like control which was something i kept thinking about throughout the runtime of the film loss of control you know, what that feels like for someone who is so controlled and just the overwhelming powerful experience of motherhood really just like it's like a like a tide comes in. So I don't know. I thought that was a really interesting topic. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think she said so many cool things, especially when she was talking about the Joe's relationship with her neighbor, Shelly. I Mm. thought that was really interesting and sort of the Mm -hmm. exploration of sexuality and how yes. your body image and your own feelings about sex and connection to your partner can really be altered by the experience of giving birth and then having to maybe nurse or just even have that being that feeling of being overtouched and overstimulated because of this yeah. child and the way that your body changes. All of that was was really interesting. And I think that she did give me a little bit more empathy towards spencer than i had <laughs> i of- listen <laughs> i no, i mean listen i liked him a lot in this movie i thought kit harrington was great and he did great in the role and i thought he was very charming and he seemed like yes. a very supportive spouse and yes. then there's this point at the end where i'm like this baby is only a month or two old just give her some time
2: you know I I almost felt like he was scared you know like yeah I
0: mean I think he was but I just think she so desperately needed more help than they were able to provide and instead of like getting it for her people were just acting like you know the baby doesn't cry what are you talking about kind well I mean
2: I think he was maybe scared for the baby yeah the no end. I think he was yeah. I mean there's yeah. that scene with the pot for sure he was scared that's why I think I had empathy for him because like we know her internal life. We and we also know we're in a horror territory. But like if this were really happening in real life, seeing those signs and stepping in is it's actually like the best thing he could do. I don't know. I'm yeah. here I am. Like I don't know why I'm Team Spencer. <laughs>
0: I don't know <laughs> no, why I'm not saying he's a bad guy. First I'm, I'm a Karen, her... now I'm
2: Team Spencer. Who am I? No, I'm the character monster. Gave
0: me like a little bit more you know, yeah. depth and perspective on him. As yeah, well. That's sure. all I was saying. I sure, sure.
2: Whatever. There's no whatever. calling out
0: of Rachel here. I've been
2: called out. I'm cancelled. No. <laughs> I'm canceling myself. I don't like where I'm going. What is this road that I'm going down? Why why, why does my hair suddenly have so many layers? (laughs) Why is it so spiky in the back? (laughs) That's that's the party part of my hair. (laughs) Awesome. Well, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I really felt like this was a great interview. I hope people enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed doing it. It just reminds me once again why we do the show, why we love the work that they're doing. It's very exciting. It's very exciting
0: yeah yeah i agree i mean getting these different perspectives on especially on times of life that other people might not be experiencing do you know what i mean like this is a perspective that she as a mother of three was able to put out into the world in this really unique way yeah. And uh, it's exciting to get to talk to people who are doing that kind of work. And I hope that this year we get to do even more interviews than we did last year.
2: I, well, I, we did what, 12 last year? Yeah. We're yeah. trying for what, 24 this year? That's the idea. <laughs> I mean, hey, we gotta you, We're going. on the road. Yeah, we're on the road. Sure. Awesome. All right. So like you said before, if you have not seen this yet, good news, Baby Ruby is available now on Video On Demand. So head over to the VODs. If you don't know how to get there, guess what? I know how you can get there. You go to zombiegirls.com, you find it on the calendar, you click on it, and it'll take you directly to where you can rent it on video on demand. And uh, that'd be pretty sweet if you did that. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right. So did you like our interview? Do you enjoy our interviews? Do you have feedback? Do you want to congratulate us? Do you want <laughs> Do you want me to send you the picture of me with the Karen hair? You can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page or you can slide into the DMs on Instagram and Twitter at ZG Podcast Plural, which you should. I, should, I wonder if people are actually putting into ZG Podcast Plural i'm trying to say oh, it as no. an s at the end right so, at zg podcasts <laughs> s, 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 s. <laughs> i just had this like moment where i was like oh no what if people are actually typing that i've in said and it not so many t- yes yeah. Yeah. Well, i've said it so many times now that it become a run-on sentence as opposed yeah. to being like a zG podcast comma plural it's just zg podcast plural that's right not good. that's that not could good. Be confusing That could
0: be confusing. Yes. yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't think anyone's confused anymore because we've talked about it a lot now. All right. (laughs) So if you're enjoying the show, do us a solid and leave us a rate and review us on wherever it is that you're getting your pods. We're on all the platforms. Hype us up. Make us feel good. Let people know we exist. Uh, If you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, like I said, we've got that video on demand and streaming calendar. at zombiegirls.com. And if you want to have some cool new merch, you want to like floss out your wardrobe, you should go check out our merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch and get yourself a new more deadly shirt. The new design is out. It's awesome. I have a shirt. I have a magnet. I have a coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> I have a narcissism problem. apparently. <laughs> No, but it has you on it. It's not even about me. It has you you on it. (laughs) Um, I do mean that though. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you should definitely pick up some of that sweet, sweet merch. And of course, as always, if you want to support us, one of the best ways you can do that is by joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls where you get extended episodes, bonus episodes, zombie bites, including one of me by myself. Actually, Lerald and I are recording another one tomorrow. So when this is out, you'll be able to go back and look look at it. Uh, we're going to be covering Infinity Pool. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, I'm so jealous. I got to go see that. Well, he decided to do it on his birthday and he had not seen any Brandon Cronenberg. So I don't oh, think he was ready. Yeah, that's this not is, dipping your
0: toe in. That's just like. Jumping into the deep oh, end of the pool. <laughs> this
2: is the deep end of the infinity pool. <laughs> let me assure you. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He did not ease way. Like, yeah, no, no, no. So I'm curious to see how he's gonna respond to it. I'm gonna probably be in favor. He's gonna probably be like, no, but that's oh, okay for an
0: interesting conversation. Then
2: it's a divisive movie. I would be shocked if it wasn't because it it goes hard. So yeah. so yeah, that's one of the things that you'll get, as well as our special live episodes and other stuff we've got cooked up. Including, we got to get that Ask Ariel Anything episode going. So I'm gonna. <laughs> that is not to... the name of the episode. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, if I call it something different, will you feel better? <laughs> I mean, it's still gonna no, be what it you're is. Sneaky. <laughs> I'm sneaky. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am. It's going to be so fun. Yeah. It's going to be so weird. Because you've been like the invisible host on all of these shows as the editor, and we talk to you constantly. Listeners don't necessarily know this, but we like are in dialogue with you frequently <laughs> on the shows. Uh, it gets cut because it's like direction or just like, I don't know, you asking you to weigh in on whatever we're arguing about. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but yes, you should definitely join our patrons to get all that good stuff. So Ariel, why don't you go ahead and take us out? All right, thanks everybody
0: for listening to another episode of More Dead Leads Directors Cut. Rachel and I love interviewing these directors. It's so much fun and so interesting, and we hope you're enjoying them too. Thank you to Bess Wall for giving us her time and insight on her film. This was great. All right, we'll be back next time with
2: another great interview. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks to everyone for listening and thanks to my co-host Ariel who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly. Editing was done by Ariel Missman rucker And our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Meal.